Good evening to you, and once again, I'd like to join with Brother uh, Brent in saying how delighted we are uh, that we have such a very fine crowd this evening. We look forward to a time of fellowship later, but right now we are focusing on our God and bringing true and sincere worship to Him in His name. In this part of our worship, we focus on a few words uh, from the Word of God. If I was going to think about what the Lord would want us to say to young folks, I would combine what we have com- are combining today. First, be aware of the danger of sin, which is what we discussed uh, this morning. And this evening, have a passion for the truth. Have a passion for the truth. Years ago, IHOP had a slogan which said, Come hungry and leave happy. It's a great slogan for life if you've got the Word of God in view. Because if we come to life hungry for the Word of God, then we will ultimately find ourselves in that place, heaven up above, the happiest, most joyful place ever that could be imagined. Come hungry. Leave this place happy. Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now watch this. For they shall be filled. Our concern is that when it comes to learning God, learning about God, learning God's ways, we have brains of mush and hearts of stone. If you don't think you can have a heart of stone, check out Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 and notice how that it's possible that you can get beyond even feeling for the things you ought to feel for. In totality, we can describe our society as brains of mush and hearts of stone. We don't need to be that way in serving God. It's important to think about the fact that we are concerned about the welfare of the soul. Welfare of the soul. There's many things to be concerned about in life. Making a living, treating your family nicely, having the things you need to have, staying away from danger. But much more and way beyond those matters is the welfare of the soul. And that requires a, pa- a passion for the truth. Passion for the truth. And so let's begin and think about this thought first. The heart travels a certain path in order to get to Jesus for the remission of sins. That's, that's the first idea of this This evening, the heart travels a certain path in order to get to the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins. Notice five markers on this path. Marker number one is to have an honest heart. Honest heart. We discussed that a little bit last week in one of our lessons. Jesus said, Luke 8, 15, that we need to have a good and honest heart. 
In order to have that good and honest heart, we've got to fight several things. We've got to fight a, a non-caring attitude. We've got to fight a, a hardness of heart. Okay. We've got to uh, fight impulsive reactions to the Word of God and let the Word sink deeply into our hearts. We've got to fight competing forces. Jesus said that the cares, pleasures, and riches of this life can crowd out uh, the Word of God. We've got to have an honest heart. The second marker on this path is to have a seeking heart, a heart that seeks, that seeks. There's a place in Isaiah that says, Seek ye out of the book of the, of the law and read. I think it's Isaiah 55. Seek ye out of the book of the law and read. Seek it out. Seek it out. You know, the, the Apostle Paul was once a persecutor of the church. And while he was persecuting the church, later he will fully reveal to us that he was an honest soul. As he says in 1 Timothy 1.13, he said, I did all those things ignorantly and, and, and in unbelief. But that honesty did not lead him to the truth. He had to be honest, but secondly, he had to start seeking the Word of God. And so we must have an honest heart first, and then a seeking heart second, and then thirdly, we've got to have an understanding heart. Understanding heart. Jesus says in Matthew 13, 15, we understand with the heart and then we are healed. And healed there means being forgiven of our sins. We're healed. God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. God wants us to be saved, but first you've got to have an understanding heart. You've got to come to that knowledge of the truth. And so on this path to Jesus, it takes an honest heart, it takes a seeking heart, it takes an understanding heart, and then the fourth marker is a broken heart. The Word of God, the story of Jesus, all the information about the love of God, the plan of God... All of that must break us down. It must cause us to stop in our tracks. It must break our hearts. Psalm 34, verse 18. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, God is near to those who have a broken heart. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken heart. That means that your heart breaks and all the pride just oozes out. And you are left with a humble heart. And then the fifth marker on this, on this pathway to Christ is to have an obedient heart. Obedient heart. Paul says in Romans 6 and verse 17, God be thanked that whereas you were the servants of sin, you obeyed from the heart. That uh, pattern of teaching that was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you have become the servants of righteousness. So, so notice these five markers that are there on the heart's road to Jesus. Starts with honesty, honest heart. A seeking heart comes after that. An understanding heart comes after that. And then a broken heart. And then that will lead, lead us to obey the Lord. 
Uh, we want everybody to enjoy that pathway. No one gets to come to Christ. No one comes to Christ without going through this process that we just mentioned just now. And obedience is part of God's plan. Hebrews 5 verses 89 said, says about Jesus, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. We don't get to the path. We don't get to the relationship with Jesus. We don't get to forgiveness of sins without obeying uh, the Lord. Now I want us to do this in the second place. So the first thing is to see this pathway uh, to Christ. And then I want us to get a little deeper. And I want us to notice an example of a group of people who had an honest heart. Look over to Acts 17, 11, and 12. And notice the great example of the Bereans. This means Paul came, Paul and his um, co-gospel workers They came on on the second missionary journey. They came to the city of Berea. They had just been in Thessalonica, Acts 17. And then Acts 17, 11, and 12, we see them coming into the city of Berea. These folks were excellent when it comes to the attitude toward the Word of God. So notice a few things about these folks, and then we will be closing our lesson down here in just a few minutes. Notice first that these Bereans, they were open to the word. They were open to the word. They are called more noble, more noble. The word noble here means to be well born, but it went on to mean someone who was honest mentally. They had integrity as they thought about things. They were fair-minded. They were open-minded. And so the Bereans were open to uh, the word of God. We read something in John 7, 50 and 51 that's interesting. This is from uh, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was actually standing up for Jesus. He was talking to the Pharisees. He said, does our law judge a man before we hear from him and before we hear about the things which he's actually doing? Do, our law is not that way. So Nicodemus was saying to the Pharisees, you're being totally unfair. You're being very close-minded towards Jesus. Shouldn't we call him in? Shouldn't we hear from him? Shouldn't we hear about the very things which he is doing? Nicodemus had been listening to Jesus, and he knew the Pharisees were being unfair uh, to him. A lot of people approach the Bible as a critic. Instead of just being honest investigators, looking for the truth, having a passion for the truth, uh, they come to the Bible as critics. So first of all, notice that these Bereans, they were open to God's Word. Secondly, notice that they, um, they welcomed God's Word. It says there in Acts 17, 11, and 12, they received the Word. It means they eagerly welcomed the Word into their lives. They eagerly welcomed it. Okay. We have... Uh, door greeters that are assigned on our worship days and and uh, their job is to do that very thing to eagerly welcome people i've noticed that at different preschools over the years that the preschool teachers will be outside and as the little ones got out of their car that they were the teachers were there and they're eagerly welcoming it's important uh, for the little ones to get their day off to a good start 
to come into the class with a, with a great attitude. And this is the case with the Bereans and the Word of God. They eagerly welcomed uh, the Word of God. They received it. Thirdly, these Bereans, they anticipated listening and hearing and learning from the Word of God. They anticipated the Word of God. Notice it says they received the Word, the Bereans did, with readiness of mind. Readiness of mind. Readiness of mind means to stretch the mind forward. To stretch the mind forward in anticipation. Okay. It's kind of the, it's the idea of being on the edge of your seat. Being on the edge of your seat uh, with anticipation. A great way of looking at life or examining your life is to say you know, to yourself, what brings me to the edge of my seat? What, caused me, what causes me to be eagerly excited and, and anticipating something? Is it the Word of God? Or is it just uh, different forms of entertainment? What would a church look like if every member in that church eagerly, passionately anticipated on the edge of their seat, anticipating hearing any little nugget from the Word of God? What a, what a great time that would be. So the Bereans, they, they, they were open to the Word, they welcomed the Word, and they anticipated the Word. And fourthly, the Bereans, uh, they... They searched the Word. That's what it says there in, in Acts 17, 11, and 12. They searched it. They searched the Scriptures. Okay. In other words, they thoroughly poured over the Scriptures. Uh, they thoroughly scrutinized the Scriptures. They listened to what was being said. They looked into the Word of God uh, for themselves. And, and they, without stopping, they, they scrutinized it. It's what God wants us to do. He wants us to search into it and find uh, the truth. Uh, they were careful not to, to neglect anything. They were careful not to leave anything out. That's the idea of searching and examining uh, the truth. Some of you, like all of us do every once in a while, some of you are really into the crime shows. And, and you've watched enough crime shows to, to imagine yourself being a pretty good uh, expert uh, investigator, but you'll notice even on the crime shows how how meticulous the uh, the detectives are when they're investigating a, a crime scene, and that's the ideal right here. Uh, as it says, they searched the scriptures. They didn't leave anything out. They didn't emote, uh, You know, they didn't omit anything. They 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 searched every little detail to to make sure they would find the truth. They they searched. For the truth. Over in Luke uh, 23, 14 and 15, it's interesting, this same word is used. And Jesus is on trial, and, and there is Pilate, and there was Herod listening to Jesus. And, and Pilate, listen, listen, listen to what he says. Okay? Pilate says uh, to the chief priests who are condemning Jesus, and to the people who are condemning Jesus, he said, Look, I have thoroughly examined. This man and the things you're accusing him of, I've done this. Herod has done the same thing. And we don't find any charge that you're labeling against him. We don't find anything, any of these things to be true. Certainly nothing worthy of death here. Okay. Jesus was the most innocent man that's ever lived, by the way. 
But notice how that Pilate and Herod both had examined all these accusations and Jesus came out uh, to be completely innocent. And that's how we are to approach scripture thoroughly, search it and examine it. So these Bereans, they searched uh, the scriptures. And then fifthly, these Bereans, they treasured up the scriptures. You see... They would hear the people preach, Paul and others preach, and then they would go to their scriptures, go to their Bibles, and they would measure and compare what they were hearing by the pattern that is found in God's Word. And they let God's Word shed light on what was being said, and they wanted to see whether these things were so or not. You know, not everything out here in the, out here in the world is so. Not everything is true. And so you've got to have something to compare, you've got to have something to measure by, and that is the Word of God. That's the Word of God. Notice how widely these scriptures have been circulated in this time. Okay. Berea is way out here in the Gentile world, far away across uh, the sea from uh, Jerusalem. Okay. Way out here near Thessalonica and Berea in these other part of the Roman uh, districts, Roman Empire of, of that day, and yet people treasured the scriptures so highly they made sure that even out in these outer regions the scriptures uh, were available. They treasured up the scriptures. Two more things about the Bereans. They learned from the scriptures. And the reason they could learn from them is because God is, a, is an orderly God. You know, 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says, God is not the author of confusion. And since God is an orderly God, then His Word is orderly. That means we can look into the Word and we can find the harmony, we can find the unity there. We can find the truth because truth always harmonizes with itself. We can see the pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament being fulfilled by Jesus of Nazareth in the New Testament. We can find the truth. It's not that difficult. They learned from the scriptures. And then finally, they obeyed the scriptures. Because notice there in, in Acts 17 verse 12, it says they believed. They believed. That always means that they obeyed. They obeyed. It just means that they received the word and then they did what the word said to do. We're reminded of what Luke records in Luke, or rather uh, Acts 2 and 41, where he says, those who gladly received the word were baptized, and there were added to them that day about 3,000 souls. Uh, believe always means to submit uh, to God's word. And so, notice here our emphasis. Okay. And something very, very important to have in our lives. And it would be tremendous to have this passion for the truth uh, while you're young, starting out while you're young, and to have it all throughout your life. It's one thing to, to add knowledge. Anyone can add knowledge. If that's the trouble, that we don't have trouble. Anyone can add knowledge. But if you're trying to share the Word of God with someone who is dishonest and with someone who does not have the qualities of these Bereans, 
then the task becomes much more difficult. You see, as 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 10 says, we are to receive not just the truth, we must receive the love of the truth. That's what makes the difference. Not just having a casual nod toward the Bible and say, yeah, that makes sense. No, it's not just that. It's about having a love, a deep down love, a hunger for the truth. And that's the message, really, it's a twofold message today to our seniors, to all of our young people, to all of, our, to all of us. And that is, be aware of sin and have a passion for God's truth. We're talking about the welfare of the soul. We're not talking about trivial matters. We're not talking about having something to talk about over supper or over breakfast. This is serious business. This is most serious business. We know that life is, is very short. As James says, it's like a vapor. It appears for a little time. vanishes away. Young folks, I know you will hear this many times, but it's still worth saying you will be amazed at how fast your youth will fly by. So now's the time to, to develop that passion for the truth of God. It could be that someone here this evening finds themselves away from God. You know it in your heart. You know it in your heart. You're away from God. You don't have to have anybody to tell you. But i tell you something that will convict you. God's word will convict us. It does convict us. That's why, as the Bible outlines it, after you have an understanding heart, the next in line there is that broken heart. That's what the word of God is designed to do. It's designed to break our spirit, get rid of all that pride, get rid of all that self-sufficiency, Get rid of that idea of I'm going to handle things on my own. And let God, turn it over to God. Become submissive to Him. Relinquish your control. Allow Him to direct your heart and your mind, your life. It's, it's a wonderful freedom. It's a wonderful thought. It's the best life there is. It's really the only life there is to really live. And we invite you to come home. To our Lord God, right now, as we stand together, as we sing.